Hi, I'm a serial entrepreneur. How are you? <laughs> Fine, how are you? Good. I'm just, I'm finally set up here. Oof, my tea is hot. I have hot, hot, hot tea. I'm going live right now. No, I'm going live too. I'm, I'm you know me, ABC. <laughs> my Christ, that's hot tea. Mmm. Mmm. Get a hard, mmm. Oh, 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 hard mixturator. Mm, how's it going? Good week? Good week, yeah. How good about week. you? How are you doing? How's your week going? <sighs> pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I complain, but who'd listen? No, I nothing. I got no complaints. Watching a lot of Star Wars. A lot of Star Wars. Um, today at Brownell, uh, they told me, uh, I went to Brownell to get my coffee. Brownell Coffee. Uh, Terrible Street. Between, uh, you know, what is it? 20, uh, 22nd? 21st uh i should go there i uh they saw somebody in half moon bay who was uh, homeless that looked like me so i think somebody might be uh might be ganking we call it ganking and they're ganking my look is that like big timing big timing i don't know i could call it backbiting what do you call it backbiting is like when you uh (laughs) what's what's it called huffing (laughs) i think it's called huffing huffing Somebody's, somebody's huffing my look like the huffing post not very, very much based on the Huffington Post. She used to be married to that guy, uh, the, 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 the rich really guy. rich guy, perfume guy. That's right, uh, Eddie Albert on uh, Green Acres. I think you're thinking I mean, of, of a Prince Albert. No, no, no. I think I think you're thinking of uh, the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> it's oh, it's Cannes. A lot of people say Cannes. That's, that's not correct. It's Cannes. You say Cannes. That's the one that Robert Redford does out in the the West. That's right. The Kraut Rock Band. That's right. That's right. Good week. Yeah, everything's been good. Yeah, you boy, you go through a lot, Dan Benjamin. You don't tell people about it because you're a gentleman. But this what do they? Was, what do they need to know for? Well, you see, now they, they hear me whine about everything, whine, whine, whine. But you, you have much to whine about. I bet you're standing. You're standing probably in what, like a timeshare right now. What are you standing in? What are you standing? <laughs> you don't even have your ball. You don't have your little ball. I, I, I do not have my. Well, I have not the one you're not the one you mean. Mm. How about Zafu? Could you do it on Zafu? Is that is that irreverent? I do. It's in a it's in a box though. Um, you got a Zafu in a box? Yeah. Oh Dan. It's a shame. Dan, what do you do? What do you sit on? You sit on you sit on what like a like a crate of barbecue? What do you do? Uh, you have to improvise with pillows and blankets, and it's not it's no good. I've never improvised anything good with pillows. You know what? I take that back. I made a hell of a fourth the other night. It was the Ice Planet Hoth, and we were, we were hiding from Darth Vader. Nice. Even though she doesn't understand it was probe droids, not Darth Vader. Don't even get me started. She calls it The Empire Strikes Out. It's very frustrating. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Because she keeps confusing it with Edward Strikes Out, which is about Thomas the Train. She's not I think, a, no, I think you're thinking of Edward Scissorhands. No, 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 no. That's that Heather's movie you're thinking of. That's the girl. That fast girl that went out with the Soul Asylum guy? Is that what you're thinking of? Is she the one that stole all that stuff? I don't remember. Was that Beetlejuice? She was in Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Then she stole that stuff from that department store. Oh, you're kidding. No. no, I thought that was Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder is the one who was naked on the lawn. Is that her? No, you're thinking of the one that went out with James Belushi. Or was it Jim Belushi? Can no, never that, tell. Was, that was probably Margot Hemingway. Margot, Margaret Hemingway? Isn't Jim short for James? Mm, short for funny. So it's John Belushi. Very, very short. I, um, I don't know. I don't know. What were we talking about, Dan? Oh, this, yeah, your, your butt. Your butt. You know, you have to have a dignified position and feel like a mountain if you're going to sit. That's what I read. I read two books about meditation this week. I only meditated twice, but I read two books. You, 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 you got to be a mountain. You got to have dignity. That's what uh, John Kevin says. You got to have dignity. I thought that was a really good note. Doesn't that seem like a good note? Yeah, I think we can end on that. Yeah, let's button it up. Uh, Dan, today is a very special day. Can I tell you why? Please. Today is, the tw- today is the 20th. It's not the 20th. It's the 20th out the, out the necessary means. It's the 20th episode of our, of our visits. That's true. 19 visits before. And so I did, I did a little research just to get us ready because I, I have a theme. Uh, that was, uh, I, I did the math in my head. 
It was uh, four months and 27 days ago, which is, according to the uh, internet, just under five months ago. It was a Tuesday. Uh, it was a waxing gibbous moon, which I guess means it looks like candles. I don't know what that means. It was 96.46% illuminated. I don't know what that means. Uh, it was the day that Sergeant Shriver died. I think that's the guy from Hogan's Heroes. Uh, Stevie Nicks was uh, 60, 62. She's now 63. And there was a, a two-month-old episode of You Look Nice Today called That's Babies. And so, uh, is that the show you that? do with Adam? I, I can't remember, frankly. I don't. I'm not sure who that is. I. It's been um five months. Five months, Dan. What did people say? What did people say? They said it wasn't going to work. They said it wasn't going to happen. You're not going to get this guy. This guy's uh he's he's uh he's goofy. He's not going to do more than one show. You remember that? Right. He can't that, finish anything he starts. This guy. I, yeah, that's not the point. I I, I finished. <laughs> I just. <laughs> You know, I, I got kind of. A I was very I'm, intimidated when we first started yeah. the show of doing a show. It with showed. Me. It showed. You were very. Uh, you're very needy, and then you, you would be <laughs> passive aggressive. No, in a sweet way, you'd be passive aggressive in public with me. You know, it would be like talking about your relationship at a party. You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. No, but that's no good. You don't want to do that. No. But I did it. You know, I stuck with it, and that's why I think today we should. Uh, I don't. That's a segue. We call it in the business. <laughs> I'm not sure what business we're in. <laughs> uh, what do you think of uh, getting started? How's that? Like we should start the show? I agree. Oh, for the love of Christ, Dan Benjamin, I'm trying to have a segue. Oh, you mean the topic for the show, getting started. Like starting things, like starting something up. How's your week? Been a pretty good week. I thought we could talk about getting started um, and see how that commemorates with the the gibbous moon. Oh, okay. Okay. It was was mostly eliminated, 96.46%. I thought we could talk about getting started. Now, I don't know if that's interesting to you. It seems, seems to me, we talk a lot, I yell at people a lot, because that's, that's my brand, they call it a brand, and I thought it would be, this is something I've talked about in, in talks and stuff, and it kind of comes up on here, but in terms of uh, practical or pragmatic, as you call it, component of this, we could talk about how people could actually uh, do stuff to get started. And that's I'm, great. I, I can expand on that. That would be what great. You, what are your thoughts on that? Love that. That's a we great talk, topic. We should also talk about the toaster, maybe, maybe later. Oh, no, we got to do that. We can't talk too much about it because you already talked about it. I, I do love the fact that, that he's going to do a review of it and he is not going to spare our feelings. Right. He's, that's <laughs> his warning. His, you know, I'm, so, I'm talking, sorry. I'm sorry about John Syracuse. Uh, uh, <laughs> no Z and J, sir. And he got a toaster. So he's, you know. Did you see the photo of him standing there? Yeah. That's great with that? the ribbons. We should come back to that. Okay. Diary so that. Journal it. Toodle I'm me. I'm going to journal it. Tungle. Tungle. Diary me. <laughs> I went to tell. I was confused by Tungle. Tungle. I was very confused. I was. Hmm. Uh, I think eh, regardless of what the thing is that you want to do, I think in order to do something really interesting, sometimes uh, there's a natural reluctance to get started. Or it can be naturally feel barriers to getting started. Barriers. This show's about barriers, right, Dan Benjamin? The first barrier I'll bring up is fear. <laughs> you might take a drink. I don't know. I, uh, there I are, think- well, there are, there are barriers, emotional barriers, physical Barriers, barricades. Uh, sure, uh, sure. You got caltrops. I think barriers. I think I think barriers like fear. It can become fear once you realize it's fear. But I think the problem is you don't realize it's fear. And I'm not going off on the jag. I'm not going on the jag. But I'm just saying. I think what, what some people call procrastination may may you know in fact be fear. When you're when you're coming up with all of these seemingly very realistic reasons why you haven't started on a given thing, and I think we should start pre-start by talking about what a giving thing can be. 
you know, I think that doesn't have to be something like a novel. It could just be that you want to start jogging more, or it could be that you want to start eating less crap from machines. Whatever, whatever it is you want to do, I think there's a, there's a pretty natural barrier, especially if it's something you haven't done before. It can be really hard. But by the same token, if it's something you've tried to do before and feel like you haven't done great at, well, then that particular muscle of failure has been building in a way that, you know, may make you feel a little peculiar. It may make you feel like you're destined to never be particularly good at it. So we could be talking about any level of starting things, however you think of that. It could be thinking about, like I say, writing more because we end up talking about writing a lot. It could be, I don't know, I can always come up with these lame examples, Dan. Are there others? I think exercise is not a bad one. I think meditation, sorry, is is not a bad one. Mm -hmm. I'm finally starting to do that, but it's really, really hard because part of the point of meditation is sucking at it. That's the point. The point is you suck at it. You just have to watch yourself sucking at it rather than simply. Kind of, right? Isn't yeah, no, that, exactly. Not kind of, me, exactly. It took me like five years to figure I kept going, I can't, I, I suck at this. My mind keeps drifting, you know? And that's like, going, I, like I'd like to surf, but I keep getting wet, you know? I, I forget who it was, uh, but there was somebody, this was meditation, but I think it goes for a lot of the different topics that we might talk about. And that is the, the more that you practice something, uh, it, it, it's not necessarily that you get better. It's just that you, you learn to react faster when you're not doing well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, absolutely. And it's, gosh, don't get me started. Like that goes for a million things. And uh, well, the writing, it goes for writing. I mean, you know, if um, I, I can't get away from that notion of feeling like I haven't done this well before. Because in our head, we've tried lots of stuff. Because in our head, we've, we've already kind of gone through this sequence of events. So you could think of this as buying a beret, you know, sort of like trying on artistic attempts. But I, I think a lot of us in our head have done a lot more than we really, really, really have. Because if we had done it as much as we think we have, we wouldn't suck at it. By which I just mean you've really thought about starting it a lot. But that's not the same thing as starting it, which is why step one of this – and this I'm cribbing a lot of this from a talk I did at the first MaxFunCon a few years ago. What was it called? Oh, that uh, just it, finished up out there, didn't it? Just like Yeah, yesterday. it got rave reviews. I'm really sorry I couldn't go this year. But, uh, you know, uh, Sandy, did, you know, Sandy did a talk there. Oh, man, no wonder the reviews are so positive. You hear what it was about? No, I th- and who cares? He could go up there and just, you know, say mm-hmm. gibberish for an hour and, and everybody just cut would his hair. He could just cut his hair in front of people and then just give it away. Boom. Would he do that? I don't know. You'd have to ask. You'd have to ask. You think he does lots of little trims. I don't think he does a big cut. It's uh, called, uh, you know, incremental releases. I don't know. His, he, did a talk, he did a show about how, how, how he makes you look nice today. Which is awesome because it's a great process. You know what I heard? Can I tell you a secret? What I heard? You know who I heard was in the audience? Who? You know, I, I heard that somebody who does a popular public radio show that has a very popular podcast who is famous for edited by somebody's name. Mm. Brooke Gladstone. I heard Brooke, I heard Brooke Gladstone was in the audience. Oh, wow. She does that show with that mean guy who doesn't like the internet. Bob Garfield. He's, he's, he seems like a nice guy. He, he kicks his slippers a lot. He's a slipper-kicking guy. Get off my lawn, internet. Wow, NPR. Don't get me started. Isn't that nice that Sandy did that? And it was big enough. Scott, Scott screwed me. You know Scott uh, Scoots? He screwed me because he went ahead and he surprised everybody and showed up there. So now I look like, you know, because they went and I didn't. So I look bad now. This is, a, we're talking about a, a program that uh, the three of us do, I think. I'm not sure. You'll have to ask. Next time you text Sandy, ask him about it. This is where the people who are listening really don't know what you're talking about anymore. Yeah. No, we're being cagey. It's a, you know, it's a, I don't, I, you know what? 
getting started. So it's a talk I did there called, with all due respect to the seduction community, um, boy, you don't want to get those guys mad, you know, because <laughs> they don't get to use their mom's computer that much, you know, so they, have to, they get a lot of anger into that one email because then their mom needs it for work. Mm. Yeah. And they got to get back to their, you know, campaigns, <laughs> you know, with their wingmen and whatnot and their wingmen and their solid eights and whatnot, you know. Uh, so getting started, I think there's several things you can talk about with getting started. So, and why do I think this is a big deal? He asked himself rhetorically, including attribution and an adverb. I, I, think, I think people have trouble getting started because you can create so many mental barriers. And, and I'm not even saying they're fake mental barriers, even though they are. It's just that they feel real. And as long as a barrier feels real, it's real. Truly, truly. If you think you can't do something, and again, I just want to be clear, the core, I don't believe that the corollary is true. I don't believe that just because you think you can do something means you can't, but you can't even find out until you really do get started. And, and so again, what are examples of that? I think writing is good. I think exercise is good. I think meditation is good. Can you think of other uh, examples that will make this sound less inscrutable? I don't know. I mean, is, is starting a business too big of a topic? Not at all. Not at all. No, but you know what? Can I just say starting a business before you even quote unquote start the business, which means like in the, we just read a Berenstain's Bears book last night where uh, the mom decides to go to work and the family's just ballistic. They don't like it because it's very, it's very, Papa's very sexist. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, about her quilt business, mom's quilt business that she wants to start in that old haunted house down the road. God, those books, do you read those? They're really preachy. No, I never, oh, man, I, I would never. It's prescriptive. It's didactic. It's Barry. I remember when I was a kid, there was a special episode of, you know, like a TV show at the Berenstein Bears called Big Paw. And Big Paw was some kind of giant Berenstein bear. And it uh, struck me wrong. I, so I like never, a golem? Like how big? I, like Iron Giant size? Like yeah. a, a Castle in the Sky sized? I am a weapon size. That's no good. What about that uh, Happy Days where Richie almost died? You ever see that? Mm. You can watch some of it on YouTube. It's... It really brings back a lot of memories about how truly terrible that show became. <laughs> Remember that when Fonzie, Fonzie started making macrame? I think he taught a macrame class. <laughs> he, uh, he made his own pasta. And then he helped around the house wearing an apron. Hey. I think the trouble is that those barriers can become very real. And so that's why I say step one. And again, okay, so the business thing. You could just, your first step toward you know, making a business is not quitting your job currently. Right, right. That first step might be research. Like real research that's focused on finding out what kind of dough you would need to finance six months of this. You know, like I say, like, I don't know if this is true, but they say like with a restaurant or any kind of food service thing, you need to be ready to like lose money for six months. You need like a big war chest just to start something like that. And it's certainly true if you're trying to do a startup. But even if you're just trying to go independent on your own, right, that's a theme of, our, of the nerds. It's, it's a great thing to, to go out on your own, but it's, it can be very costly. Um, so it might start with research. But so step one, no matter what, I think, well, it could be step zero. You can, you know, do some kind of uh, Pearl iteration thing if you're a nerd. Uh, the, I think the first step is to literally just start. So, and that is, starting means not just thinking about it anymore. Like, you're allowed to think later, but I think a good first step is to actually start. And that in, in the case of writing, that might be just writing a little bit. It could be, in the case of that business, figuring out in a kind of David Allen getting things done-esque way. Like, what's the first physical action I could do to get this thing in motion? And ironically enough for meditation, apparently you do have to actually sit, sit still for a little while. That's in, that's in all the books I read. You've been doing that what now? What, 40, 40, 50 years you've been doing the, the sitting. Sitting. Hmm. Hmm. And they would, talk, uh, maybe eight years. Really? Huh. Something like that. What language were you using at the time? Is that, is that a weed eater? Did I hear weed eater? 
Yeah, we've got a weed eater here in the outs- right outside. Started just now. And he's taking, huh. his, taking his time, too. Can you see him? Yeah, I can see him. Is he wearing eye gear? He, yeah, he's gone now, okay. though. Good. Special pants? Just look like long khaki pants. Maybe okay. with some pockets. All right. Well, that's right. The, anyway, that's the, the new little office thing I'm in here for now. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is your co thing? Yeah, we've, there's, a, there's a place, one of many here in Austin, where the, you can get uh, like an office for, uh, you know, for month to month kind of thing. So I you, got, you were, I, got uh, I don't want to, I don't want to open a wound, but you know, Dan Benjamin, you were adamant, you were adamant about how you didn't want people to tell you about co-working spaces and you had very strong opinions about it. And now you're just so desperate that, that you're just sitting there in a room. People are throwing a ball around listening to No, I, they, they sell, they sell individual office space here. So I have one of the small offices here, but uh, no, I mean, I think co-working, it, the typical co-working I'm not interested in. They have that here too. Is it like, is it like a Gitmo type cell? Like, what's it like? Do you get do you get a mat or anything? I call this privilege privilege item special privilege. Is it is it is it a nice office? Is it an expansive private office? Yeah, it's all private. I I don't know if I would call it nice. It's certainly warm. A little too warm in here today. Hmm. Uncomfortably warm. Mm. Anything I, anything in inside, you need to have air circulation. I need to do something about that. You're not benefiting from the move if you're still hot. If I could just say, if you're still still feeling Florida temperatures in Texas, that's not right. Oh, it, it, it could be a hundred degrees here, and it feels more comfortable outside than eighty five in Orlando. God, it's the humidity good. there is the worst. Yeah, and the people. That's well, a good point. That is a good point. Yeah, you don't so want to, you don't. when you say just doing it though. Yeah. There's a lot of people who feel uncomfortable without some kind of plan in place, and then that's the right. that's the catch, right? You you spend all of your time planning. You're sitting there planning. Well, I need to have outlines. I need to get this. I need to have that. I need to have this in place. I need to set this up. How do you know which of those things you actually need, as opposed to just starting? Like for example, one of the first businesses that I started uh, back when I was still in college. I started building PCs for people and uh, I would, you know, I, w- I had to get a business license and I had to basically register something. I forget what it even was. And then you could go and buy these computer parts from like, mm-hmm. these, like a wholesaler. Yeah. Like a wholesaler. Yeah. And you'd go and you'd, you know, it, there were no, no packaging. It would just be these things thrown in a box and you had to know what to do with it. And I did. And I, you know, you can make 500 bucks a computer back then selling them. And mm-hmm. I had zero planning, you know, I had not, I just got the bare minimum and just started doing it. And it was, you know, incredible. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to manage it, run it. And if I had spent more time planning it, it probably would have been a, you know, a, a much better end result for me. Right. But, but thank God you did it. Yeah, I did it. And I mean, so is it better, is it better is- to have something that's sort of like a, maybe like a, I don't know, failure is a strong word, but something that doesn't work out the way you want uh, than to have not done it at all, I guess is the. I think it's a false. That's a. That's a, it's a great point in a false dilemma, because the thing is that's that's the voice that's the fear voice in some ways telling you that this is an all or nothing proposition, and so I mean, can you really blame that? You, um, you're not, obviously you're not trying to blame it, but the the thing is that's a that's a big kahuna you're talking about. There's a lot of moving parts to that, so. I'm the business. I don't know. I mean, like you obviously, I don't know how you can inoculate yourself. I don't know how you can knock yourself on any, inoculate yourself on any new project from feeling like it's always going to be a 100% success. I think it's that need to feel like you're inoculated that makes people feel so stuck with it or feel like, you know, I mean, cause the truth is you're always going to want more information. You could always benefit from more information, but that information is only going to be so useful to you if you haven't done enough to see what that looks like in practice. 
uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of the uh, the above average Mac bloggers linked to something really cool this week. There's this there's this evergreen series of these videos uh, that Ira Glass did talking about how he works. I didn't watch the actual video, but I think it's one of those. And he talks uh, anyway. You can go Google for this Ira Glass creative work, something like that. But um, it was a great quote, and we'll find it for show notes. But it was something along the lines of you know the the, the thing he wishes people had told him when he was young that that just doing lots and lots and lots of work is the way you get better at something. If there's any theme that we end up talking about, I think that's got to be, you know, one of the top ones. Um, but it was the way he puts it is really, really humane. And, and I think that's kind of the trouble here is that anytime you're running up against the wall of what you know and what you feel like you completely understand, it, it can make you very fearful whether or not you realize that's fear. But I think the really problematic part is, is thinking that if I, start, if I start my second business and it fails too, like I'll be completely to blame because I'm an idiot and I'm just not sure. The business one is a great example just because it's, it doesn't fit my theory very well. <laughs> Whereas deciding to write is a lot easier to fit my theory. But I think the same is true, which is that maybe until you've had a couple businesses, you may not get great at it. There are a lot of people who've had 15 businesses and then the hugest one of all that they went all in on dies. Right? We talked about, yeah. I think we talked, was it you and me talking about Donald Trump? The, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not the show, not the LaToya thing. Latoya Jackson, mm. by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we were talking about it wasn't that, but we we're t- who's I talking with? Somebody. Your name is Dan. Yeah, go ahead, caller. Okay, uh, first time, first time Danner, and I was uh, Blythe. I think I think I'm Blythe Danner. I think that's Gwyneth Paltrow's <laughs> sister. Right. I think I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Is she the one that's vegan. What Blythe Danner? Gwyneth. No, I think you're thinking of uh, Bruce Bruce Sterling Bruce Stern Bruce. I don't know. I don't know, Dan. Um, I think that huh, fear and Buddhism, Buddhism and fear, we've got to stop this. But I think that um, having that distance, you know how you talk about, you know, are you your thoughts? Are you, you know, do you believe your own thoughts? I, I think that when we've only got so much experience about a thing and we, when we feel like we only have so much uh, ex- knowledge and confidence to, to jump into something, we, we may feel like, like we're going to need more information. In the case of writing, just because that's an easier one, let's start there. Like you may feel like, okay, a classic stupid Merlin example, you may need more notebooks, you may need a different pen, you may need a, you know, a, a slightly tighter beret or whatever it is you feel like you need. But the, <laughs> again, to the, why do I say Buddhism? Because that's the kind of meditation that you do. The Vipassana is, is, a, is about, you know, if you work, if you practice this a lot, you're going to see that there was nothing to not see. You're going to see that it was there all the time. Do you know what I mean? This is why I struggle so much with the tips and tricks stuff is, and why I say it's like diabetes, like helping a diabetic, because it's, that the tips and tricks are going to be super useful once you know enough to apply them in the context of having had some experience. But until you've had some experience, it's really hard to make that useful. When what you really want to say to somebody is you've just got to get started. So yeah, in the case of the business, that might mean doing some research. I, I got to say... Um, with whatever you do, whether it's meditation or starting a business or exercising or whatever, it really helps to talk to other people or to do that thing around other people. So if you, if you want to learn more about meditation, you might actually do a lot better to hang out with somebody who's done it a lot. In my case, talking to you about it helped me a lot. If it's exercise, you might want to find a, a group of people to start running with. You know, uh, maybe people who are at the same level as you, maybe somebody more advanced who's willing to slow down a little bit to help you out. But in my opinion, you can learn so much more from other people quickly than you can learn from watching videos and reading books. So do you, would you then apply that to something like writing, like going to a writing group or meditation, going to a sitting group? I mean, is that, 
Because people and love good. people love that. Like even workout. Like I, I, there's so many people who say, oh, "I can't work out alone." You know, I gotta, I gotta. Right, need a buddy. Yeah. yeah. It can it can be great, and you're gonna have to figure out whether that's the right thing for you. The the the, the mm, a smaller point I'm trying to make is that. I think talking to somebody who has experience, who can be a surrogate mentor for you, is going to help you a lot more and a lot more quickly than just reading books. Because just reading books is in its way a kind of thinking. It's a great kind of thinking. And I really don't want to discourage you from reading books. I've been trying to read the same Cormac McCarthy book for like 10 days and I can't get past the third page. Because I think I'm getting stupid, Dan Benjamin. I think I am. I think Cormac McCarthy has has screwed up my brain. But I think that, why, why, why do I say that? Because like, I know for me, you ever known people who like the finish their bachelor's degree and they end up somehow, it's almost like they're, they're slipping on a floor. They just end up sliding into grad school and you meet them years later and you're like, why'd you go to grad school? And they're like, well, it was, it was kind of like way college was the thing that I did after high school and how high school was the thing I did after junior high and how junior high was just the thing I did after elementary school. Well, you've been sliding from one thing into the other for a pretty long time, and you end up kind of sliding into this master's program, which could then make you slide into, you know, not necessarily, not everybody, but I I think sometimes that's just the natural thing that you do because that's what you've done in the past. Instead of really, really understanding why it is that you want to do that, what success would look like, is it worth the money, and so on, is it worth the time, is it worth your 20s to do that for what you come out with on the other end? Um. But I think the the struggle as far as whether it's the writing stuff or the business stuff is being around people. You know how we talked before about like getting a thought out of your head, like a stupid thought? Yeah. You, don't, you may not know it's a stupid thought. You may think it's a very serious thought. And if you don't have any distance from that thought, it becomes the reality. That now you genuinely are like an unlovable hag because somebody didn't say hi to you. And then you <laughs> might start behaving like an unlovable hag because that's like who you think you are. Just because Jeannie didn't tell you there was cake in the conference room that one time. You know, who knows? Who knows? But for me, like, you know, jumping, sliding into that master's degree is a way of, and now that's hard work. Sure. I mean, writing a thesis is, is real work, but at the same time, it's, it's also kind of an easy slide for a lot of people because they haven't gotten out of their own head enough to go, well, I actually have enough to do something. You know, do I really want to do more of this? I don't know if that's a great example, mm. but but I feel like with, with stuff like reading or with stuff like watching videos or with stuff like, you know, you know, if you take a seminar and it helps you produce words, then you're on the right track. If you take a seminar and it just makes you want to go read more books <clears throat> and, and that has been occurring in that way for three years without you producing the words, then that might not be a great thing. Uh, specific to the business stuff, um, <laughs> to, to my friend and colleague, Michael Arrington, I'll apologize in advance. Actually, to my, to my friend and colleague, yeah, Paris Lemon, that M.G. Siegler guy. I like him a lot. Nothing against TechCrunch. Don't get me wrong. But, but you know that M.G. Siegler guy, he can write. I met him. I met him at the WWDC, you know. He's a very, uh, do you read what he writes? Yes. He's a handsome, handsome man. Is he's he? The per- he's the perfect height. He has really nice frames. And he's very calm. He's a handsome, handsome writer, just so you know. But the TechCrunch, okay. I mean, this is just, I can't look at that site. It makes me insane for just, you know, half a dozen reasons. But I, I've said this before, like maybe if you spent less time reading that side and more time working on your startup, you'd be further along. And you know what? God bless them. I'm glad they're doing well, but you would not need to read TechCrunch as much anymore. Unless that's really providing you a huge amount of information. <laughs> can I tell an anecdote? Uh-uh. Can I tell you an anecdote? When have man? you ever needed permission to do that on, on your own show? I'm not going to address that. The, I was at the, <laughs> uh, the Macworld in, in January and how can I redact this enough? This guy came up 
<laughs> he seemed nice enough, but he came up and he was he was totally like blah 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 blah. Love that thing you do, kid. You know, kind of guy, like card in hand. And he's like, you have to go come be on my on my podcast. And I was like, okay, what's what's your podcast about? And he's like, it's about startups. And I was like, well, how is it? A, like that sounds interesting. How's that about startups? And he's like, well, we've got we've got an audience of like 70,000 70, startups, and you know, so many of them. And I was like, what really? 70,000 70, startups? Wow. Are, that, are there that many startups in America? I think what he was doing was basically conflating the number of listeners that he had ever had with, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I was like, 70,000 startups, that seems like, do you have a sense of like how many of those people have, have had? That's crazy. Either shipped or had a liquidity event? Or have you had a sense, have a sense of that? And he goes, well, there's a lot of, you know, iPhone developers. And I was like, mm, that sounds more like entrepreneurship than a startup, but you know, whatever, you know, six and one, half dozen of them make it up. But, uh, <laughs> He said, I, why am I such a dick, Dan? He said, if you had, but yeah, I want you to come on the show. But if you had one piece of advice for all of these entrepreneurs and startups, what would it be? Did and he really sound like that? With, <laughs> no, that's Robert Evans. <laughs> Without missing a beat. Was it the worst impersonation I ever did? <laughs> you bet your ass it was. He goes, if you had one piece of advice <laughs> for the 70,000 startups that are with rapt attention listening to this podcast every week, what would it be? And I said, we need maybe five of you. Not 5%. We need maybe five uh. of you. Uh, what could you possibly mean? I was like, well, 70,000 startups, how, how are they going to turn into 70,000 businesses that turn a profit? I know startups are supposed to fail, like built to blah, blah, something, something. But like, that's, that's so crazy to me that, I, I mean, I understand. Sure, those could be some one-person outfits, but I think that's a lot of people who want startup porn. I think they're sitting there and listening and fantasizing and jerking it to all these statistics about valuations and stuff. But then, then they go back to their mom's basement. Or, or, or not. Maybe they're serial entrepreneurs, which I'm pretty sure means you installed WordPress at least once. You know, SEO package. <laughs> Hi, I'm a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> serial Twitter poster. <laughs> Boy, this, it's amazing how much time these serial entrepreneurs have to, to link to articles about serial entrepreneurship. Doesn't it seem like you'd be really busy? You're literally serially making and selling businesses. Literally. Over and over again. Unique you businesses? You literally unique businesses, unique offerings. These are unique offerings. It just seems astounding <laughs> to me that you could get that much accomplished and still find time to link to 600 articles a day. Yeah. <sighs> starting. So, so for anybody out there who is struggling with the starting thing, and I think most of us are, we all have aspirations, right? Everybody wants to do something better, cooler, more profitable, more fun, more whatever than what we're doing. This is, again, a theme. Um, I think it's, it's worth asking yourself – looking at what stopped you in the past from doing that and, and being, being kind, of, kind of straight up about it. And if, if you want to meditate, why haven't you sat down? If you want to write, why hasn't your hand moved in the creation of words? This is not a mean part. This is Merlin being, being sympathetic because uh, I, I suffer from all of this too. <clears throat> There's a million things I can't start because my brain doesn't feel ready yet. But, but all, the, all the us being, well, in particular me, being mean and yelling at you about it, it's really just in the service of saying, I believe you can do this. I believe that you can move your hand to make words. I believe that even if you're not ready to be Lance Armstrong, you certainly could set your ass on one of those hard bike seats. Does that hurt your taint when you sit on one of those damn bench I won't. Men? I won't sit on one anymore. I huh? wouldn't either. I'd get a comfort seat. They call it a comfort seat. That's those wide ones. I like one of those trikes. Did you have a lot of trikes in Orlando? Those big, those big old people trikes? I've no, I've seen the I've seen I them. That. They can't fall over. I mean, unless you really, really try. That's why I'm never comfortable riding a motorcycle. I would want one of those little sidecars next to the 
the motorcycle because then you could say, oh, well, I, you know, I ride around with my wife in this. But in reality, you just are too scared to drive. Yeah, a riding motorcycle. a motorcycle. That's like, that's like throwing jarts in the air. That's just not smart. I'd never ride a motorcycle. It's insane. You know, it's an ADD thing, just for what it's worth. What, Motorc- riding a motorcycle? Yep. Yep. It's on the test. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. do you mean it's on? Wait, what, what do you mean it's on the test? <clears throat> I never told you about my diagnosis of ADD. You did. I don't remember a test. I never told you the test. No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I sit, t- sit down with Tom the Shrink and he goes, okay, I'm going to ask you some questions. I know I've told you this story on here. And he goes, okay, so <clears throat> do you ever have trouble concentrating? And I'm like, what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ever have trouble focusing on the wrong thing? Let's ride bikes. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> yes. And this, for me, that was the big one. The big one was not even having trouble concentrating. The big one for me and for a lot of, I suspect for a lot of our listeners who end up getting an ADHD diagnosis, it's not a, it's not a problem of focus. It, for some of us, it's a problem of focusing on what the, the thing that we want to focus on, having the executive function to move that around. He asked me a couple other questions. And he's like, do you, do you own or ride a motorcycle? <laughs> I was like, no. Obviously, that's the canary trap question to see mm. if I'm making up, right? And he goes, well, do you do a lot of like internet gambling or gambling in general? And I was like, it's just, what it, why are you, no. And he's like, okay. Well, it sounds like <laughs> Did my got- wife tell you to ask you this? <laughs> <laughs> do you masturbate when I'm gone? <laughs> I mean, when your wife is gone? <laughs> I should really, I should really fix this test. <laughs> don't worry, we'll edit all this out. Cut that out, Jim. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't have to set an alarm. Boom. So uh, he said, well, that's, that's, you know, that's, I, I had a pretty good feeling when you came in <laughs> as you wandered around and turned things upside down like some kind of capuchin monkey. I had a feeling, you know, but he said, uh, well, you know, those are all different flavors. And you can go, you know, whatever, Google or Wiki this, but uh, one of those flavors is risk taking. Uh, another of the flavors is, well, I mean, again, it's all dopamine, right? How do you get those little squirts of dopamine in your head? And for some people, that requires some kind of uh, a dangerous thing. Um, getting started. And so uh, as far as troubleshooting, I think it's worth asking, you know, if you, feel like you've, if you feel like you've tried and not succeeded like you would like in the past, um, two things. First of all, okay, here, you're allowed to have one more hour of thinking about this and then that's it. But think about, you know, maybe just give yourself a couple days to think about like why you think that might be. And are those barriers real or not? Um, but, but then you shouldn't stop there. Then the, the second thing, the real starting, means that you have to really sit down and try it. And this is something my, my hero, Don Murray, used to talk about a lot, how you have to sit down. A writer sits down every day and has to remember how to write. So, you know, sometimes you get on a good streak. There are people who are pros that have enough dopamine and have no trouble writing every day. But for a lot of us, we have to, we, we've, like he says in this wonderful quote I've mentioned before, he talks about how he feels like he, uh, the late Don Murray, a uh, writing teacher that I like a lot, would say, you know, every day I sit down and it's like I'm 17 years old. I, I don't know if I can do this today. Was it the, I, the guy in Adaptation? That, is that hmm? Don Murray? No, no, no. I think you're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of Robert, Robert, wait, Robert McKee is the one who wrote the book. But Charlie Kaufman is the guy that did Snack to No, I meant when he goes to the writing, That's Robert McKee. That's the Robert writing McKee, clinic. the storybook. Okay. No. <laughs> I've never finished that book. It's very, very big. It's big. But it's, like, it's an interesting book. I don't think Charlie Kaufman likes it very much. I like Charlie Kaufman. Uh, but you sit down every day. And, and, and once you've done it a lot, you don't let me put it differently. I think with whatever it is. And again, I cannot get away from the exercise thing because if you do exercise, this turns out to be true. And if you do meditate, this is true. If you cook, this turns out to be true. If you do it a lot repeatedly, it stops being less scary and it stops being harder, stops being as hard to start. I think that's so true. I say running, but what I really mean is moving. I think if you're, if you're sitting very still and looking at a site where you're trying to decide like which pedometer to get, 
like for a really, really, and you're waiting for the pedometer to arrive. You know what? It's totally okay if you want to walk before the pedometer gets there. That still counts towards your not dying. You can move a little bit. And of course, there's so many benefits to that. Even after one day of like taking 10 minutes and walking a little bit, you will feel so much better than if you don't. There's never going to be a great day to start that except today. That's really, that's, that's all there is. Um, so, hmm, I'm not sure what the, what, what, what the point is, except to try and encourage you to go ahead and just start even as little as you can stand. You know, just, just put the shoes on and walk outside. Uh, for running or, or, or exercising, I like having a, like a, maybe not a MacGuffin, but a, uh, a, a trick or some secret destination where I'm like, it could be something like I'm allowed to go get this costly coffee, but I have to go walk to get it. Give yourself some kind of an incentive like that. Um, I don't think those are great in the long run because, you know, that gets costly. And then you, uh, you know, running is its own reward if you, if you run. Meditation is its own reward. Writing is its own reward. Um, we'll start, can we talk about the other kinds of starting too? Because I, I think oh, there yeah. are some other ones too. And we've already kind of gotten to this. But the second one, and again, I'm cribbing this from that talk, which you should listen to. I was really nervous doing that talk. And I, I've been drinking a lot the night before, which I don't usually do. That's my sound horse. But you can hear John Hodgman laughing in the audience in, you know, Bonerville, right? <clears throat> guy's pretty smart. Mustache has to go, though. That is a creepy, creepy mustache that guy's got. Does he still have that? I, don't, I think he does. His little, on his little tooth thing. It's He's weird. still got that. It's, it's creepy. I, I, I went to dinner with him, and it was, it was not good. It, it looked like something you get at a, like out why of a would he do machine. That? He's such a handsome man. I don't know why he would do that to himself. He's a cute guy. He is a cute guy. He's a cute guy. Maybe, uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, Maybe to distance himself from the commercials. Mm, 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 mm. Could be. Could be. Could be. He wears a lot of active wear, which I think would surprise a lot of people. Uh, they call them technical, technical clothes. You know, runs Python. Uh, second kind is restarting, and which I've kind of gotten in already, which is that once you've started a little bit, um, that's a great start. <laughs> but then the key is to keep doing it. And you don't have to write every day, but brother, does it ever get easier if you write every day? Um, today, if you think you can't start at that thing, and, and again, I, I'm sorry, like this show has like, I think 11 to 14 listeners. So I can't tell what the 11 to 14 of you are, are hung up on. Um, I think creative stuff comes up a lot. Don't you, don't you think creative business and personal might be the uh, iron troika? Don't you think? The only thing you're leaving out is a romance. Dan over. Yeah. I've lost him. No, I'm here. I don't think you're there. Did you pause me? No, I'm sitting here. I'm talking the whole time. You want me to roll you the weren't. tape back? No, you drop. You roll. You roll tape. I think you went to mixture. No, I didn't. Hmm. Watched it twice this week. Watched it twice. Not the means. Not the necessary means. Dan, are you there? Yes, I'm here. God, I'm so angry right now. I think the restarting is important. What do I mean? That I mean that, that pick back up where you left off. Um, yeah, hey, here's a book we haven't mentioned much. Uh, Joan Bolker's. Joan Bolker's book, uh, Writing Your Dissertation in 15 Minutes a Day. Have we talked about that on here? Not to my, she's not the one that says doing the moving your hands thing. That's probably Natalie Goldberg. Okay, that's the one. I, okay, so that's we haven't done this one. one. I feel like we're always doing the same books, but you know. How we, many we, people do you think have actually read any of these books? I don't think it matters. These people, they hear us talk about them, they don't go, they don't read them. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. A lot of people have read Bird by Bird. That, that was a very popular book um, in, the, in like the 90s. And it continues to sell well, which is good for her. I like that Annie Lamont. I want to meet her. Annie Lamont, if you're, if you're listening. I know you're a big, big fan. She just lives up the street, you know, up in Fairfax. Don't be creepy. 
And um, so, restarted. Uh, uh, right here. So that's what a douche title, right? That's the kind of thing you get when you get a publisher is they give you titles like that. But but writing your th- dissertation in 15 minutes a day, it's such a sane approach to writing in particular. And, and what she's really saying, I think, is because I haven't read it in a couple of years, but if memory serves, what she's saying is, hey, you know what? If you write 15 minutes today, you're going to get a lot more done than if you didn't write 15 minutes today. Right? So now your lizard brain kicks in and you go, wait a minute, no, I got to write a dissertation. It's like, yes, you do, <laughs> but you have to write a little bit of a dissertation every day. And if you're one of those adult people like me who was always writing the paper, you know, the night before it was due, always, 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 that's just always been my MO, then that's A, hearing that is good, but then B, doing it is even better. And that's the restarting part. And there's a wonderful quote um, that I need to get the exact attribution on, but it's, I think it's attributed to Ernest Hemingway. But um, actually, my friend Matt from Tallahassee told me this quote. I love this. Um, Heming, I think in his book on writing, not the Stephen King book, but Hemingway's book about writing, which is mostly cold. It was, you know, after his death, I think it was put together and cold from mostly from letters. But he said he likes to leave a little bit of water in the well. Maybe better put like water in the pump might be a better way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> if I could give Hemingway a note. You ready? Here it is. He left water in the pump. That's my Hemingway impersonation. So he... Not your best. Cut that out. You know what? You should hear my Bobby McFerrin. You want to hear it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Landlord. Uh. Landlord. He says, leave some water in the well. And that means leave while you're feeling competent. Stop writing while you feel competent. Don't wait until you're all shagged out. Because then if you come in the next day, and I got to tell you, some people will say, stop in the middle of a sentence. It's that crazy. Like, and this is, again, lizard brain, right? If you're finally, after all of this time, it's almost like you've had to take this poop for nine years. And then you finally managed to get a little turtle pushing out. And you go, wait a minute, no way am I going to stop this right now. I'm finally <laughs> shipping this. Thank, thank you to our <laughs> listeners. Welcome to Back to Work. Uh, but the thing is, well, that's a terrible example because you should go ahead and finish and take your time. You know what I'm saying? Ulysses or, you know, Infinite Jazz. Bring in something you really enjoy. Maybe Cormac McCarthy's book, The Road. Blood Meridian, boy, that is... You ever try to read Blood Meridian? You ever try that, Dan Benjamin? Never. That's a toughie. <laughs> I find myself using the dictionary click a lot, a lot in the Cormac McCarthy books. But you have to poop. And then I was talking about, oh, yeah, so you the last thing in the world, you finally got writing. You finally got ahead of steam on. This is happening. The last thing in the world you would want to do is stop. And in some ways, I would say, yeah, yeah, keep going if, it's, if it feels hot. But also remember that this is a rally, not a race. You know, you, you're going to have to do this a little bit every day. It's not a question of, like, writing the entire thing now. So the stopping in the middle is not a bad idea in terms of step two, restarting. Because now you have a place to pick right back up. Um, you, could also, you could also just stick a post-it note wherever you are writing. I mean, not on your screen. That's probably not good for your OLED monitor. Did you hear about the Samsung monitor orders? Have you heard Samsung monitors were ordered? Have you heard about this? No, the paper tell me factory. what's going on. Oh, Paper Factory. Big order of Samsung monitors. Mm, Tuesday. And so uh, my Tuesday is with Danny. I, uh, I think that's a great way to do that. And that, that could go for wherever, wherever you want. But you have to leave this little Hansel and Gretel, like, you know, um, I think actually the birds eat the breadcrumbs. It's rocks that they have success with. You should leave a little bit of a rock trail, some way to find your way back. And, and this has been a hard thing for me, the getting restarted. I think I've said before, it feels a little bit like skin diving, where you try and do this big gulp of air and like dive really, really fast, like snorkeling dive. And, and, and you get down there and you're like, 
I'm so scared I'm going to die down here. I really hope that I have a line I can tug on where people will pull me way back up to the top. Do you know what I mean? Sort of like you talked about fear of success. Yeah. I think sometimes people are afraid to disappear into one very small and important aspect of what they do because they're scared they're going to lose track of the big picture. And that's your lizard brain talking. Like, for example, you may see this, for example, your example, starting a business. This may like seem like such a big yak to eat that you're just going to have to just take a running start and just eat the whole thing in one bite. And that's not a good way to eat a yak. You know what I mean? Or shave an elephant. I forget what the example is. You've got to really just do it a little bit at a time. And uh, I got I got a joke to tell you about that. No, go, go. I like I love jokes. Go ahead, caller. This will let you kind of organize your thoughts. So there's uh, there's whoa, 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 whoa. I need more tea. Keep talking. (laughs) There's a uh, there's a guy gets lost. He's driving out in the countryside, and uh, he doesn't know where he's driving. This is the days before GPS. It's the engineer. Sure. Not the one from the Matrix, just a regular one. And uh, he's, you know, he's all turned around, doesn't know he's on some country road. So he drives up to, uh, you know, some little uh, little farmer guy sitting up by his house. And uh, sitting next to him, there's a pig uh, with only three <laughs> legs. You heard this one? <laughs> no, but I already love it. And uh, the guy says, man, you know, I'm, I'm lost and I don't know how to get out of here. He says, well... You see that, you know, that barn down there, you take a left and then you ride till you see a beat up tractor and then you, you take a right and you see the big bale of hay and then you go two miles and you'll be back on the highway. And he says, oh, thanks. Says, I got to ask you, this little pig that's sitting next to you, he says, he's, only, he's missing a leg. So well, let me tell you about this pig. And he goes on to tell him some amazing stories. He says that one time uh, I got pinned underneath my tractor in the field and this pig came by and lifted the tractor right off me and saved my life, sewed up my arm. He says, wow, this is an amazing pig. He said, yeah, one time our house was burning and the pig woke us up at night and carried us all, the whole family, out to the front yard and put out the fire itself. I said, wow, this is great. Oh, what happened to, to his leg, though, he says. Well, a, a, a pig this good, you don't eat all at once. You know, you talk about not, you know. Yeah, sure. By the way, your, your agrarian accent is sublime. I've lived in Florida quite a while. Did you hear the one about the, the, the guy in the balloon? Mm-mm. This is, this is, I think, maybe the classic engineering joke. And so uh, I'm sure I'll get notes on how I'm telling this wrong. But there's this David Branson-style character, uh, you know, whatever, some kind of adventurous, uh, you know, CEO type, flying around in a hot air balloon. And the wind picks up. He's having problems. He goes, he goes off track. He, he has no idea where he is. This is in the days before GPS. Uh-huh. And so he's just floating around in the area. He has no idea. He's, going, he's trying to just get... And finally, he sees this, this, this guy way, 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 way down. He sees this kind of a heavy guy. He's got, he's got a, a XXL body and an XSS shirt. It says Debian on it. And he gets in as close as he can. He's got a big neck beard. He can see it from space. He comes down. And he says to that guy, he says, Hey, hey, you got to help me. And the guy goes, so, uh. And the guy goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes, where, where, where am I? He goes, uh, sir, you're in a hot air balloon, uh, about 23 feet, uh, above the ground and uh, you appear to be lost. <laughs> and so, so the guy in the balloon goes, oh, you must be an engineer. He goes, so how can you tell? He goes, Cause I ask you a really simple question and you don't tell me anything and you're not helping me out at all. And the guy goes, sir, you must be a manager. He goes, how can you tell? Uh, you got yourself into this mess. You have no idea where you are, you are, no idea what you're doing, but now it's my fault. 
So I probably told it poorly, but that's exactly how everybody feels about that. Yeah, yeah. You engineers, you'll cut all that out, right, Jim? Yeah, we'll get him. Yeah, yeah he'll cut that out. Did you drop a marker there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did David Branson die? During the show? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't follow. So. Does he have a Tumblr? I don't follow. I don't he, think so. Didn't he pass? Did he pass? Is he the one who got lost? That made it. That may have been in very poor taste. You know. Hmm. Yeah, that was a good I joke. I like. I like your pig joke better. Uh, the third thing. Third thing. So here's the thing. Each one of these is uh, cumulative. It's like organic chemistry. I'm told. You got to just start. That's number one. Number two, you have to restart. You have to keep doing it and doing it. And then I think when you've done that for a while. So I mean. I don't know how well we did with that, but lavishing a huge amount of attention on the first part is most useful to most people. And, and if I could just say in passing, like everybody sucks at that. There's, there's nobody who's great. Even people who do stuff a lot, there's always something that they're scared to start. I really, really, really believe that. Um, I'm, I believe it. I mean, I know I'm no, you know, I'm no David Branson, but I'm scared of stuff. But the third one I think is, and I've referred to this as a graduate level tip, but I right. think is the third kind of starting is to start Developing more tolerance, um, which you can think of in a lot of ways. But I think specifically it means tolerating the fact that you may not know what something is turning into. So, again, let's just use my wheelhouse of talking about theoretical wheelhouse, Josh, which is uh, the writing thing. So you start, you go, okay, you know what? This is going to suck. I have permission. I move my hand. I got 15 minutes a day. And I'm just going to move my hand and get this going. Maybe you're, again, maybe you're going to Buster's site, 750words.com. Whatever it is, you've moved your hands. And now it's happening. And now you've done that two days in a row. And now you've done it five days in a row. And now, like, you've beaten, like, 99.9% of the world. And you've done it, like, 10 days in a row. Well, to me, that's when things get more interesting. Because at that point, you realize that, wow, I've made a lot of stuff here. And I'm not sure where it's going. Think about, um, think about if you're starting that business, Dan, and like every, every right. little fact you learn goes on an index card or goes into your Yojimbo, which I, I have to learn why you use Yojimbo, or it goes in a text file or it goes into a whatever. But if you think about each little atom of information you get, that can become really, really overwhelming right. because now you've got so much stuff. Well, I think for some people, that's an indication that they should stop writing. <laughs> because they've got so much stuff and they're not sure what it is. As a business person, you might go, well, that, I have so much stuff now that I, I'm just, I've got option overload, like you know, option anxiety about what to even do with this. Sure. So the two routes people tend to go is either A, they just quit at that point because they're overwhelmed, or B, they, they, they do a new, more sophisticated form of fiddling, which is outlining based on writing instead of writing based on outlining. So now you start making stacks of the cards or now you start taxonomizing your files. I won't go down this route. I know you've heard this before. But at that point, I think the tolerance part is going, hey, you know what? The only way out is through. I'm going to keep doing this thing and I'm going to keep doing that and I'm going to let the writing tell me where the writing is going. I'm going to let the research tell me where the research is going. And now you're getting into my serious secondary wheelhouse, which is the time and attention stuff. The more that I spend my time on something, the more I will be rewarded by learning where to focus my attention. And the better I get at focusing my attention, the more I'll know where to focus my time. That kind of makes sense, right? And so an example of that might be in writing, well, I really believe in this Don Murray-ish idea of writing before you outline. He, you know, you can pre-write in terms of thinking about stuff, but eventually you got to write. It's the writing that tells me what to write about. It's not outlining. It's not thinking. It's not going to seminars. It's not even talking to people about mm -hmm. it, which ironically enough is what we're doing right now. But I mean, it's such a weirdly exhilarating feeling to have written for three days in a row or five days in a row. And as far as the exercise stuff, <clears throat> you're going to be so impressed with yourself if you manage to like, just seriously, get, just bear with me, caller. Like just for a minute, like envision yourself uh, bumper sticker thing. 
<laughs> People died by Bush lied. You know, I live, I live in like the heart of bumper sticker, just so you know. We're very involved with bumper stickers here, Dan. In, get that? in San Francisco? Oh, dearie me. Yes. Like people still use those things in 2011? Sure. You'll see people buying multiples. You see multiples of the same bumper sticker. And I got to tell you, Dan Benjamin, I, I remember seeing that back in the day with the Say No to Drug stickers. We'd see people. And on the, I remember one day I was driving down uh, over by the dog track in Sarasota. I have a specific recollection of seeing a car with four Say No to Drug stickers on it. And what interested me most was one of them was very, very old. One of them was a little old, and two of them looked brand new. And so clearly this was a project that they were iterating. They got the one sticker up, and in time they realized that the people were, were saying yes or maybe, I guess, to drugs. And they figured they needed a second sticker, so they got a second sticker. And it was a little, you know, you could tell it was a little dirtier, the old one, you know. But then they added two more. So I think they really, they upped their game at that point. It's a big bumper sticker town. What was my point, Dan? At this point, I'm, I'm really not sure. Yeah, okay. Um, the you said three though, things, though. I'm not done. I got another one after okay. that. And then F you on toasters. The third one, though, is the, the tolerance part is saying, I'm just going to, like I say, only way out is through. Which, by the way, apparently is a Robert Frost poem. Is that, is, is that correct? Well, I think we were hearing that uh, I was misquoting Winston Churchill, and, and he said uh, something about, is it the, uh, uh, I don't know, the only way Who was it? That was, uh, that was my friend with the offset printing, guided by Voices fan. It's my first. Is it Jason Baldwin? Maybe I want to say Jason Baldwin. I don't I know think you're thinking of Alec Baldwin. No, 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 no. I think you're thinking of uh, Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness. So, yeah, the Sir, same Sir Alec Guinness. Did you know it's a dragon sound that he's making? I never knew that. He's making the sound of a dragon to scare away the Tuscan Raiders. Did you know that? No, I did not. Hmm. Hmm. I think the tolerance is a way of saying that uh, even though I may feel overwhelmed by parts of this. I'm going to A, resist the urge to quit, and I'm going to B, resist the urge to metafiddle in order to make it seem like it's, like it's a good thing. Oh, exercise, right. So like, even, if, even if you just, like, even before your pedometer arrives, let's say you, got, you don't have Amazon Prime, which, you know, is pretty great. <laughs> you, you can still go out and move, and you're going to be so impressed with yourself if you go out and move just a few times. You're going to be so impressed with yourself if you go a little bit. But, you know, there's the wall with marathons, but there's also the wall with anything that you're trying to start, where I think at a certain point you, you can certainly get cocky about it or you can get um, complacent about it. And, and in a weird way, I, I, you know me, Dan, I, I don't like to provide this kind of peril, but in a weird way, if you just skip it even one day, it's going to be harder. Because then if you, it's gonna, if you skip it one day, it's really easy to skip it another day. So that tolerance to me, and this is where, like I say, this is where you get into time and attention. But it's also where you get into um, the, the tolerance for saying no to other stuff in order to do it, kind of vis-a-vis our priorities discussions, the 27 priorities. Mm-hmm. If you're at step three and you're at the developing tolerance part, you're going to have to develop a tolerance to things like not knowing to the second what's in your inbox. You're going to have to be okay with your voicemail light blinking a little bit. And you're going to have to be okay with maybe if you wake up late skipping that co- cup of coffee or that second you know, scone in order to put on the shoes and walk a little bit or write a little bit. <clears throat> does that does that make sense? That when I say tolerance, I just think that means that we all get to a point where even if we've done the basics starting, it can be really hard to stick with something until we reap the benefits of having done it a lot and gotten better and at some, it. And some things that take especially writing and probably I would think uh meditation exercise, it takes a long time or can take a very long time before you uh actually see those benefits. And not to derail, but 
Um, especially, absolutely. I'm totally, no, but I'm agreeing with you, especially with regard to meditation. Uh, John Kabat-Zinn and Bonte G and everybody, Alan Watts, they all make exactly the same point, which is that, and you've made this point too, Dan, which is like, first of all, step zero is you're going to have to divest yourself of all of these misconceptions you have about what meditation is. You know, like I've said, you're not doing it to get laid. And you're not doing it. You're not doing it because you know it's weird. Everybody talks about nirvana, but like I think doing it for nirvana is probably like the worst reason in the world to do meditation, right? Alan Alan Watts in this wonderful lectures, he's talking about the eightfold path. And as a guy with a lot of vices, well, as a listener with a lot of vices, and as him being a guy with a lot of vices, I really enjoyed what he said about the eightfold path. Now, the real goal of the eightfold path is to get rid of that, you know, the longing, and to get and to the extent possible to get rid of that, but. But he really nails it. I, God, I wish I could quote this exactly. But he says something along the lines of, well, when, he's talking, when you're talking about right, um, <clears throat> what's the one where you don't drink? Right, uh, help me out. Well, when you're talking the, about the, the, the eightfold path. path. What's the eightfold path? What's the one that involves not drinking or not getting intoxicated? What is that one? Uh, well, right, right. I, think, I think you're thinking of uh, actually not – well, I mean, I guess that hmm. – I guess anyway, you're, you're kind of is, you're throwing a couple different things together, but I know what you mean. There's one that says a you know to not take an intoxication. Well, That's really one of the five, five precepts, actually. Okay, he's very specifically talking about it within the eightfold path. But <clears throat> what he says is, does that mean that you can never drink again, or you can never get drunk again? And see, now this is the Western, where the Western part of this comes in, and where it's very germane, oddly enough, to what we're talking about, which is it's not a zero or a one. It's you're either on the path or off the path in that sense. Like you can go off the path and be off the path, but then you walk back onto the path. That's why it's the path. It doesn't mean that once you're off the path, you're never allowed to think about being on the path again. And God, how much does that apply to things like writing or running or whatever? There's never a great day to go back to something you've been procrastinating, but the only day you can do it is today or the next today. But there's there's always going to be some today where you do or don't do that. And it's entirely up to you to make that decision. Specifically with regard to the, the the Dharma stuff, what he's saying is, I I may not make that today. I may not be perfect today. And just but just for the Merlin for the Buddhists in the audience, uh, the I think it's the fourth uh, the, the the fourth step in the Eightfold Path, which is right action. Right action is actually the five precepts. I just want to clarify. Okay, for the and, and Buddhists but it also audience. it gets broken down into the the Eightfold Path is actually broken into pieces, right? Aren't oh, yeah. there like there's three plus five, is that right? That's right. Okay. Um, boy, I love that. Not just because I love cop-outs and loopholes, but because I think, I think there's so many things that we would all do if we didn't believe that it had to be a permanent zero or a permanent one. Like zeros and ones that you can live with, right? And what do I mean by zero or one? Well, either, you know, Merlin's always yelling at you, right? Either you're writing or you're not writing. Well, it's true. But you know, tomorrow is a chance to write. You just didn't write today, and that's fine. Today I mean, yesterday, I should say, doesn't matter. If you didn't write yesterday, who cares? But just because you didn't write yesterday doesn't mean you can't write today. That's a certain kind of tolerance because that's also a tolerance with sucking. It's a tolerance with going like, it doesn't matter if I suck at this. It's not going to stop me, right? I'm going to have to keep running through this storm. It's like it's a thing I do now. Um, so we're probably running kind of long. Um, anyway, uh, so, so what, are, what are we up to? We got uh, just starting. We've got restarting. We've got developing. And then the fourth one, yeah, whatever. It's uh, starting to get better which is getting enough, you've, you've now started enough, you've had enough of a streak, uh, you've made it through the dark night of the soul, and you've gotten to the point where you're, you know, you're okay with days where you suck and you keep getting back to it, and, and um, you've said no to the right kinds of things. Well, then getting better is not a um, guaranteed thing. 
at some point you are going to have to, again, refocus your time or attention. And only you are going to know when to do that. Okay, so in terms of your business that you started, well, just because you come from a marketing background doesn't mean that all of your budget should go to marketing. That's a problem you like to solve. That's a problem you've gotten good at solving. But the trouble is, Johnny, there may be other problems that are more important. You may not like staffing. Like today, my wife is at the school. She has to do interviews for teachers. She loves it. I hate it. I hate interviewing people. You said you're good at it. You're pretty good. You haven't said that, but I've, in, I've in, inferred that you're pretty good as a judge of character. I hate that. I would much rather, you know what? I would rather pull weeds at my kid's school. I would rather move sand in the <laughs> sandbox than interview somebody. Because <laughs> first of all, I know I'm going to say something stupid. They're going to be staring at my hair because Joy was sick yesterday and I couldn't get a haircut. Ah, uh, I got to check today to see if he's sick. But I hate that. You know, we all get comfortable at solving a certain problem. This is, this is actually not a bad wrap-up of a lot of the stuff we talk about. Or, <laughs> either it's, a, it's either a good wrap-up or a terrible introduction, you know? So, but, but I think we do get comfortable solving the sorts of problems that we feel like we solved before, and we become a little bit reluctant to look at the stuff that we feel like we suck at. I had, a, I had a post on 43 folders that a lot of people seem to like uh, called something about photography and the tolerance for sucking. And I can't remember if this is the exact, I'm kind of concatenating several people's advice, but, but Chris Class, chrisclass.com, look it up, he's the best. He's the guy who really did actually, as a human being, inspire me to get a camera and take photos. Mm. People like Heather Champ have been hugely influential to me and in like wanting, wanting to do that because she's just awesome. But Chris is the one where I sat down with Chris one day at lunch and I was like, what is your secret? <laughs> like, how are you good at this? And so forgive me if I'm concatenating advice from several people, but I think if memory serves, what he said was, well, all those photos are, I take it with this 20D, which at that time was the, the you know, model before last right. of the kind of nice consumer Canon. It certainly wasn't a super costly one. He's like, I got this camera. I put this one 50 millimeter lens, the medium priced one, although the $80 one's really good too. But he put this one 50 millimeter lens on it, which is pretty close to what the human eye sees. He says, I take off my ta- cap. I've, don't, I've never had a strap on here. I walk around and I take dozens and dozens of photos a day. And so, and I was like, okay, well, so you got a camera, you put a lens on, you take pictures. Like, what about like getting good at like AV and like TV and stuff? It's like, nope, you're just getting started. Put it on P, put it on P. And I can't remember if he specifically said this, but put it on P and take 100 photos a day is what I heard. Um, so I got a 30D. I got that 50 millimeter lens because, you know, at this point, I'm a, right in the, in the Dreyfus model. I am truly a beginner at this point. I'm just, all I can do is follow instructions. I haven't taken enough photos to know if the instructions even make sense, but I trust the guy's credibility. So I do this and I never got great at it. I'm still not great at it, but I'm so much better than I was because before I started. And it was, it wasn't just the camera. It wasn't just the lens, although that's a great combination to start with. If I'd had a 5D, uh, I, I'm not sure I would have taken better photos. Um, if I had a Kodak Instamatic from the 70s, I'm not sure I would have taken worse photos. And you know why? Because all I did was look through a piece of glass that was roughly what the human eye sees and click 100 times a day in P, P mode. But totally, not just short of like automatically turning on the flash. Turn off your flash, please. But I just let that thing go. And that's it. it just, I just set it and let it go. I did automatic ISO, automatic everything. Now, is that going to make me Ansel Adams tomorrow? Is that going to make me Richard Avedon? No. But it's going to make me a lot better than not having taken those photos. And then after about a year, I started playing with AV. Oh, I forget which one that is, Aperture Priority. Mm -hmm. And I just left it. And what's great about the camera I've got now is you can, like, I have three presets where I can, like, I have one preset that's just pure P run and gun setting. Uh, I have a third setting, which is about a good video setting. Uh, We should talk about cameras someday. And the second one is AV at 100 ISO um, and, um, you know, basically a custom uh, focus. And, and that's, I got good enough for that to make sense. 
Okay, how many people do you know that went out and bought the Canon? Maybe they bought a nice Canon and they had that crappy little plastic lens. You see people walking around San Francisco, you know, <laughs> it's so cute. They're running around like taking all these photos with the sun shining at them with their fancy camera. Keep the sun behind you guys. Sun behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Always, if you do nothing else, turn off your flash to keep the sun behind you, Josh. Uh, but you know what? Taking 100 photos a day was the key. The rest was a MacGuffin, right? It didn't matter that I had a 30D and he had a 20D. It didn't matter that I had Chris's lens. You could go out and buy exactly the same tools as somebody else, but it was the 100 photos a day that made a difference. I learned a little bit about how to frame a shot. I learned what fit into the, into the, into the glass. And because I only left it on P and would hit click, it was way easier to take 100 photos a day. Some of them sucked. Some of them didn't. Other tip, take five photos instead of one. Weirdly enough, one of them will always be better than the other four. But I did that. Anyway, that's a really, probably a really stupid example. But I started out thinking, oh, I want to be Chris Glass, so I got to go get Chris Glass's camera. But the best thing I learned was taking tons of photos and then putting up the one I liked best on Flickr rather than all of them. Um, and I, I think that is a real pro-level, not a pro-level tip, but a pro, it's, it's advice from a pro. Because I don't think there's a more sane or humane way to say to somebody, you will get good at this. You can get good at this. But first, there has to be this before good. And the this is the 100 photos a day. The this is moving your hand a little bit and going, this sucks, but I'm going to keep at it every day. I'm going to keep doing that. Um, and then you might get good at it. You know, I'm giving you advice now like I'm some kind of big shot because I know how well that worked for me. And it, does, it didn't matter. In retrospect, I thought it was about the camera and the lens, and I was dead freaking wrong. Although you could do worse for a lens. Yeah. You got a camera, Dan? I do. I have a Nikon D90 at present. Oh, jeez, Louise. You, you, know, don't like, you don't like the Nikon? Not a big fan of Nikon. No, I just, I love the narcissism of minor differences. That's equivalent. Is that kind of equivalent to the 7D? I got a 7D. I didn't go 5D. I got one 7D. I'm glad I waited. You don't know? I don't know. The D90 is supposed to be pretty great, though. That's their good. The D90 is my, what I downgraded from the D700, which is sort of the Mac Daddy one. Mm. What kind of lens do you walk around with? Uh, I've got I've got two or three lenses that I like. One is uh, forget actually what it is because it's been in a box for the last month. Uh, oh, I, it's got to be hard for you. Is it hot? It's, it's like it's a hot? seventeen. I mean, it's one. It's got a huge. It was it was like the highest quality one that you could get that had the the biggest range. I feel like it was a seventeen or thirty three or something. I mean, anyway, I don't know. And is it then like a, a, those but that's not my main all lens. The way down? Yeah, is but that's not those? my main lens. My main lens is just the, is I got just a Tamron that I like. I love the 50. The 50 to me, don't you think that's a good one to start with just because it's you don't have It's the one to start with. It's the one, I mean, maybe a 28, like if you've got kids. But then if you get the 28, you need a faster one. So in the Canon world, there's these three lenses. I'm sorry, I'm talking completely out of my ass. But it's, to my knowledge, there's three 50 millimeters you can get. There's the one I've got was like 300 bucks. But it's a really, really good Is the 1.8 or 1.4 or 1.2? 1.4. The 1.8, though, can I just say, I, we also own two of those. Because for 80 bucks, you could just throw this thing in a wall and buy another one tomorrow. They're fantastic, especially for a plastic lens. They're like 80, 90 bucks for... for but it's a walk around, but that's a 1.8. And then the 1.2 is like 1100 bucks, And I know that's logarithmic, but that's not enough difference for me. You know what I mean? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not in darkness that much. Don't you want to talk about the toaster for one second? It, briefly, briefly. We had, uh, I didn't buy it. Marco bought it. I just shipped it. But, but we, we got Jason a toaster. Yeah, not a toaster. Yeah, so, a toaster oven, the Cadillac, the Dan Benjamin of toasters. For the people who don't, maybe don't listen to some of the other shows. Shame um, on you. Shame on you. John Syracuse on the show called Hypercritical 
uh, was uh, complaining about toasters. He did a whole episode, and just just around that same time, Marco Arment, who's a, a host of another show called Build and Analyze, talked about uh, how great he his toaster was because he knew that John Syracuse would be talking about how bad his own toaster was. He wanted to chime in and say, this is the one they should get. And and there's yet a third toaster, which is the one that I had that my wife researched for quite a while. And having heard about uh, John Syracuse's trouble with the toaster, you and Marco were at WWGC, and I'll let you tell the rest of this. Cause this is oh, no, we're, we're at the Westfield Center, which is a really nice during court. During WWDC in San Did I mention I had lunch with, with, with him, Marco, who, who did the Instapaper? And like a bunch of other developers, really cool developers, a couple guys from the paper factory, and uh, the guy, the guy who did does reader, and the guy who does Instacast. So, bye bye penis boy. Talk about feeling like inferiority complex. Holy God! Anyway, I was imbued. It was like when the Blues Brothers, uh, you know, see James Brown and realize <laughs> they got to put the band together. All right. I just the light, the light came down, and I was like, everybody, finish that mouthful, and then we're going to. Bloomingdale's and we're buying a toaster. Marco whips out the phone. He goes to Jay Sir's list. He goes to his Amazon list. He finds is Blevel. What's it called? A Blevel? Bevel. A Blevel? What's the brand? It's uh Breville. 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 Finds the we walk in there, they have four toaster ovens. Four, literally four unique toaster ovens. They have precisely the Dan Benjamin model. 1800 watts. Yeah. 18. Oh, you gotta go 18. To- you gotta go. Are you 18. kidding me? Man, you, you know what you man you could you could put a hurting on some bread with eighteen hundred watts. <laughs> and I can I just say go back to the episode. It's called Wor- "Worse and More Diverse." Is that the episode? Sure. Just if you need a ramp in to to John Syracuse as an entity, this is where to start. Yeah, it's a good one because it's. I've listened to a lot of the episodes of that show, and this has got to be the most imbued and full of beans I have ever heard him be. I, I asked to get up and he's got to preheat his toaster. He has to get up before he even makes the orange juice. I can't even impersonate him. But but he's like, eh, and there's this one. If I ever get one of those douchebag, like German, uh, like, you know, letter, black letter tattoos across my back, it's going to be like that one quote from John. Which is like, it seems like when I was younger, the toasters would have been worse. And as I get older, they get better. But now I'm older and I'm more patient. And as my life is going through my hands like grains of sand, the toaster... <laughs> So he's got he's got that. And that was very, very generous. You're fine. I was the idea man and the UPS man. It was all Marco with that big uh, you know. So you you got this thing, you put ribbons on it. It's huge. It's huge. Gave it to John in, in the in the WWDC facility in the Moscone right. Center. Took pictures of him brandishing his new toaster. Yeah. Which which made him a little frustrated. But we but yeah, but but I mean that was when I met him. I met him like four seconds before the toaster. I never met the man. I've never met you, Dan Benjamin. I don't know you. That's right. I could be anybody. Hmm. I've seen I've seen what are purported to be photos of you. But yeah. you, you, I, you know what? I've never seen your butt. I've only ever seen the top part of your torso. I've seen your head a lot. <laughs> I've seen your Les Paul. Yeah. I've never seen your bangy finger. I don't even even know if that's a oh, real thing. Oh, it's pretty much better now. Oh, congratulations! It's almost all it's grown out. Ryan, oh, look, look at this, Ryan. You can get back to your hand it's modeling. Almost all Hi, Ryan. Now. You can get back to your hand modeling you like to do. Yeah. Anyway, you know what? I just got to say, like, uh, I had uh, like 16 different ideas for this show in the I Thoughts, and one of them was friendship. I know this sounds dorky, but like WWDC, man, uh, and events like that, you know, like I've talked about Max FunCon or like, you know, uh, Webstock or any of these shows, it's just 
like it's all the hallways. You know, it's so nice to go and hang out with people. I didn't have a badge. I never got I never got, you know, anywhere near where security would would hassle me. But just going and hanging out and seeing people and you know, and having people walk up and say I got treated for ADD because of your stupid show with Dan. It's like that is just the best thing in the world. And me being able to say to the reader guy, like, holy God, your app is so good. He's like, I'm not the designer. I kept it simple because that's what I could do. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Shh, Germans. What are you going to do with Germans? I don't know. He might be Swiss. He might be Swiss. He might be Swiss. I should be careful. A lot of those guys are Swiss. Did you know that? Swiss are very tightly wound people. You don't want to get them mad. Hmm. You know, did you ever see that uh, Three Days of the Condor? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, let's button it up. <laughs> Have a good week. I love you. Love you too. You have been listening to Back to Work, a weekly internet broadcast about making great stuff. Brought to you every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Mighty 5x5 Network. Back to Work is co-hosted by your internet pals, Dan Benjamin and Merlin Mann. That second one is me. Dan already left. Back to Work is produced by Dan and edited by Jim Metzendorf. And it's powered by the 5x5 Achievers. And proud we are of all of them. Our theme music is Plika Plika, written and performed by Merlin's old band, Bacon Ray. Merlin played bass in the style of Lou Barlow's Sebado. If you enjoy Back to Work, please spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your imaginary friends, tell your kitties. And if you really, really like the show, please leave us a nice review on the iTunes store. It does help us quite a lot. And frankly, it, well, it makes me hate myself just a little less, just for a while. If you work at a cool company or if you make something awesome, you can learn more about sponsoring Back to Work by visiting 5x5.tv slash advertise. Dan and I love buying food for our children, expensive paleo food in Dan's case, while I mostly feed my kid crap from a machine. Finally, thanks most of all to you in particular for listening, for hanging out in the chat room, and for writing to Dan and me to say hi. We do really appreciate it. You are a huge nerd, and we love you so much. We'll see you next week on Back to Work. <laughs>